Hey, do you guys have a podcast idea? Well, we know just the people for you. Ready, set, podcast. They have prices to fit any budget, options for both, for both hobbyist and professional podcasters. They make it super easy to create your own podcast. They can help you record, edit, and publish. If you have a podcast idea, they'll give you a free consultation if you reach out to them on their website or social media. Their website is www.readysetpodcast.xyz. And they're really great. We love them. They uh, help us produce our podcast, and they've been a great, great help to us. Anyway, Ready Set Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality, guys. Um, uh, <laughs> guys, what's what's up? Awkward silence. Uh, hey, we love Eric, it. This we one's on it. you. Oh, this one's on me. Uh, <laughs> three strikes and you're out, though, right? Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Infinite strikes for the pod team. Grace upon grace, you know. Do you know that uh, a group of whales is called a pod of whales? I feel yes. like I've heard this joke possibly. From Didn't we before. talk about this on a Instagram live? Yes. Did we? Yes. I Way to go with the recycled jokes. I do not remember that. Come on, Isaac. But we you know what? Fresh content. We're, we're not bots. We can talk about co- the content can cross over from the pod to instagram live right you're right yeah yeah point, so. good point. of course anyway i'm isaac sims i'm eric fam and i'm olivia clement this is flyover film show a podcast about movies from the perspectives of a pod of people who nice. live in places <laughs> oft forgotten by hollywood i.e flyover country this is our fourth installment in our watchman series and today we're going to discuss the fun topics of politics and governmental influence throughout the show so should we just go ahead and kick off and go right into the discussion? I think we should talk about what we've been watching recently. Okay. Um, you want to go, Isaac, since you brought it up? Uh, I have not been watching anything recently. <laughs> what have you been doing then? Give well, me a second. Hold on a second. I have no idea. Yeah, I, I looked at your L stocking letterbox the other day, and Isaac, you were you were slacking a little bit. I've been I've I've been picking up your slack though because I've watched like five movies in like the last three days. What have you been watching? Tell us about it. I watched, um, let's see, this morning actually, I watched it before work. I woke up super early and I watched <laughs> X-Men Days of Future Past. Okay. Uh, and before that, I watched, uh, not today, but yesterday, I watched X-Men First Class. And I watched uh, two Korean movies, um, two really uh, like big time money making movies over in the Korean uh, cinema world. One was called Exit, and one was called Midnight Runners. And the other one was actually Watch 3, and there was another one called Extreme Job. And uh, nice, all very original, comedic, and actually very uh, deep Korean movies. Um, highly recommend those if you're looking for something to watch. Nice. I don't want, to, don't want to interrupt you, Olivia, but I did remember on Thursday I watched two movies. Tell us. Back to back. It was very exciting. A Side effects. Feature. Yeah. Side effects by Steven Soderbergh. Nice. Who like <clears throat> is that with the one with Channing Tatum? Channing Tatum and Rudy Mara. Mara. Yeah. yeah. Rudy Mara is a boss. Uh, the Mara is Catherine Zeta Jones. I was like, Catherine Zeta Jones is in this? I haven't seen her in anything in forever. Um Steven Soderbergh is becoming one of my favorite people to watch like basically anything that he makes. The way he the way he tells stories is extremely engaging. Like he he can just do shots, he can frame shots perfectly. 
and he can turn something not not like the content is mundane but it could easily be boring um every conversation is fascinating um so once i realized that high flying bird was also on netflix which was another one he did last year actually um zazie beats and uh, andre holland are both in that that was one of my favorite movies that i've watched in a long time have y'all seen that Mm-mm. it's about I basketball i've not seen that I, i'll need to check that out because yeah i agree soderbergh is a master of the directing craft um i watched traffic not so long ago i don't know if you've seen that one uh-uh. i think it's a soderbergh movie um it's got don Cheadle, uh michael douglas and it's about drugs of course um that one's a really good one as well from Soderbergh. Nice. That is, in fact, his. I just looked it up. Nice. I did as well. Oh, I look can at us. doubly confirm. How do you guys type on your keyboard so quietly? I did it with my left I'm hand. I'm on my phone. Oh, I'm not left-handed, oh. but I just did it slowly with my left hand. That's how I did it oh. just now. <laughs> oh, I'm left-handed. No, you're not. Is Hurley barking? No. Did I hear someone bark? I heard a dog barking. I'm going crazy. So Olivia, what you what yeah, have you Olivia, watched lately? Sorry. Uh, so I watched the Blob last week, a couple weeks ago, the original one. What? Yeah, that's awesome. It's on HBO Max. Um, I didn't love it, but it was. I'm glad I watched it. I feel like it's one of those movies that are is kind of like a classic. Um, and then I watched this Japanese movie called, and I don't. I'm gonna pronounce it wrong, and I know I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but it's called Akiru. No. No, no one knows how to pronounce it. Who's it directed by? Is it a oh, modern like, movie? No, classic? it came out in '52. Ooh. Mm. Um. Is it a Kurosawa movie? It is. Ooh, Kurosawa. Uh, I don't think I've seen that one. It's on. It's on What's HBO the plot? Max. What's the plot? So it follows this man who works in, like, at a city hall, and it he's doing super mundane work, and he's very orderly and. And I mean, it's city hall. So he's working for the government. Everything's super slow. And then he finds out he has stomach cancer and he just kind of like has this like crisis, existential crisis. Cause he's an older man and he has stomach cancer, which is essentially kind of like a death sentence. And he has a, he has a son who he wants to tell, but his son just kind of dismisses him a lot and he has worked his whole life to like make a better life for his son. And, um, he kind of, he, he skips out on work for a long time, for, for a few weeks and everyone thought something had happened to him and no one knew what was going on. And then he, he decides to, to go back to work and, and push, for a park that at the very beginning of the movie, you see this group of women demanding justice. Like they just want a park for their family. Cause there's like overflow of sewage and it's just really gross and it's causing their kids to get sick and stuff like that. But you see the city hall gives them the runaround and it's like, okay, you need to go here. And then, then that place is like, no, you need to go here. And so he, so this man is determined to like to do right by them and try to get this one thing squared away and it sounds like it, it i feel like the like as i'm describing it it doesn't sound as as interesting as it actually was but um the end the ending was was really satisfying and i really really liked the way it ended so so i watched that and then nice. i watched 
Yeah. And then I watched Late Night a couple days ago, which is, it has Emma Thompson and Mindy Kaling in it. And it's really, I, I really, I thought it was funny. It, I mean, it wasn't the best comedy I've ever seen, but I like Mindy Kaling and she wrote it. And so it was good. It was a good laugh. Emma Thompson is funny. I love Emma Thompson. I think, yeah. I think that she's, she doesn't get enough credit for I agree. her, her comedic chops. So I agree. Have I told you guys this? I have a, pro- I had a professor in grad school who looked like Emma Thompson, like almost spot on. It, it like the first time I met her, it freaked me out. I was like, are you not Emma Thompson? And I didn't say anything to her about it, but I talked to two of my classmates who are, who also really love Harry Potter like me. And I was like, Hey, doesn't she look like Emma Thompson? And they go, Oh my gosh, she does. So now every time I see her, that's what I think about. Nice. Yeah. Um, Very nice. uh, I was going to ask Olivia, is that the first uh, Kurosawa movie you've seen? I think so. Let me look. I'll just, let me check my, my letterbox. Yeah. Cool. Eric, how many Kurosawa have you seen? I think I've seen three. Okay. I've seen Seven Samurai, Yojimbo, and there's one more. Um, Of course, I'm going to gravitate towards the Samurai movies. Um, Um, Throne of Blood. Throne of Blood was the other one I saw. I've seen Throne of Blood. I really wanted to... um, I I really want to just go and watch as many of his that I can see. Or honestly, because like Stray Dogs on my list, Kajimusha. Um, he has one. I think it's a non-samurai movie. I forget what it's called, um, and I don't even know the description of the movie other than it's a non-samurai movie. I think it's called Blowout, mm-hmm. and it was one of his later movies. Okay, uh, and I could be completely butchering the title as well, um, but that's one that that is on my watch list. It's crazy because. Um, I watched like the Kurosawa movies all of while I was in school. My, I was an Asian studies minor, so like my professor. I did was, not know that. Yeah, he cool. was a, he was a, uh, he's a big film nerd as well, and he showed Throne of Blood and I think it was Yojimbo while we were in uh, Asian history class. And Bro, how about fun week. Olivia? There's the scene. Uh, I know we need to jump into this episode, but Throne of Blood is is really good. It's black and white, but you can see, uh, like Lucas, George Lucas took a bunch of imp- inspiration from Kurosawa because they were, they were, uh, he kind of looked up to Kurosawa uh, as a young filmmaker. But there's a scene at the end of Throne of Blood where uh, he is hit with like, I'm not kidding, thirty real arrows. Like yes. it was a stunt that they did, and he was. It, he was acting. It was the most like there, there's not a ton of, a ton of blood, but like he's getting impaled like the, his, his armor with real arrows just appearing. And like the, the sound is terrifying it. And it is, it is one of the most incredible things I've seen in a movie. It is insane. So yeah. it, I just, I, I, I can't, think throwing a I blood can't if, stress uh, enough. Yeah. Is, is essential viewing for, if you're trying to get into the Kurosawa movies, it should be one of the earlier ones for sure. It's one of the ones you can get into really easily. Uh, so yeah, that has been the only one I've seen, but I'll, I was looking on Letterboxd and a lot of his work is streaming on HBO Max. Nice. So We should do a watch party. I'm fine with that. That'd Sounds be fun. Great. 
Um, down. Let's get on that. I think that that could be some good content. Or we could just do it for fun. Or both. Is it not? I mean, this fun? is fun. I think it's <laughs> and it's content. <laughs> we I'm can, having we'll, a, we're, we'll, a great we'll time. Later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. Having a great. Time. All right. Should we jump into the? Uh, Probably. I started my the... I started my timer late, so we'll just keep going until right. I think we're like five minutes behind, but we're good. We'll figure it All out. Right. Thank you, Ready Set Podcast. <laughs> They're really All right. So uh, today's episode, as as we said earlier, is going to be around the uh, topic of politics and government interference um, in the HBO Watchmen, and I guess the whole Watchmen universe. So. Uh, the biggest commentary as far as politics and government interference in the show is with the seventh cavalry members holding positions of power within law enforcement and throughout government. So how would, how does that translate to our society? How does that parallel? Well, so, I mean, Judd Crawford, for example, uh, he was chief of police. He was very close to Angela and her family, yet he was a part of this seventh cavalry and he uh, well respected as well yeah uh, he was well respected uh and 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 he was outside the seventh cavalry yeah it was like don johnson stop (laughs) um but i mean he was a member of this also pd and, and tulsa police department has had some issues with with killing black people and like unarmed black people. I don't know if you guys remember this, but about four years ago, um, a white police officer shot and killed a black, an unarmed black man. And there's lots of video that's, that shows that he um, had his hands up, but she, she shot him anyway. And she claims that she thought he had a weapon. Um, Now, whether he did or did not, I don't know. But um, there's there's this kind of hint of in the show they're like obviously hinting at the fact that people in positions of power are often white and have have this privilege and have either covert or overt racism and, and it's it's difficult to figure out who is actually trying to combat racism and who is actually secretly. I think being racist. Is that fair? Sure. Yep. I think as I was kind of thinking about this topic in preparation for this episode, I kept coming back to, well, we recorded um, our episode, episode two on racism last week, um, chronologically for, for us as, as of the time of this recording. And I just kept coming back to how, um, I, I don't think racism racism is a political issue, but it's it is like a a human it transcends sends uh politicization if I said that correctly um it's not just like a left or right issue it's like a it's like a human issue you need to confront and and root out mm-hmm. but almost or most of most of the quote unquote political things like reparations, um, excuse me, police, the, the police presence in the HBO show 
are all they all kind of come back to racism um in some way and so it's it's kind of like it's it's like attached to policing and reparations and all that stuff mm-hmm. and uh and it's all kind of connected uh even in the sense that you know there are poor people living in Nixonville like when they go to root out everyone who they think killed or someone in Nixonville killed Judd Crawford um and they're treating them poorly as as you know the lowest of the low but they're all white people um and so poverty is an issue too um in the show that doesn't get touched on as much but it's it's there one of the uh most fascinating things uh from the show that i latched onto really early was the the whole the the whole idea and concept behind the seventh cavalry mm-hmm. um like in the very first episode uh we learned that there's this this alt-right group in the Watchmen universe who's motivated by Rorschach's uh, journal. Um, and they kind of latch onto it as like a their Bible almost. And they run with it, um, whereas the rest of the world saw the Rorschach uh, journal and what was exposed in it um, at the end of Watchmen. Um, they saw it as like fake news, right? They It was so the whole idea of, of Adrian... Uh, coming up with this plan to save the world by destroying so many people in the population. It was like a, uh, like this crazy conspiracy theory. And that kind of parallels to me, like what we have in today's society with the, uh, some of the crazy conspiracy theories and the alt-right and alt-left groups that we have. Like the one that I, I parallel it to um, the most is the QAnon mm-hmm. group. And mm-hmm. uh, if you guys don't know it, they're the creation of QAnon is pretty similar to, to the seventh cavalry. Um, they're a group of followers that follow this person on 4chan, which is an internet message board, completely anonymous that calls himself Q. And this person claims to be someone that's inside the government who has inside knowledge of what's going on. And they post these theory, they post like these, uh, theories and things on the message board. Um, and the whole idea about or behind it is that Trump is waging a war against like his enemies inside the government. And it's just a crazy conspiracy theory, like super similar to how the seventh cavalry uh, came up with their beliefs. Um, but the rest of the world and the watchmen, they don't know that what, what they believe is actually somewhat true. Um, but I always found the seventh cavalry, the, the most, the most, one of the most interesting parts of the show, the inclusion of them. I think um, in the the Seventh Cavalry, just from the the uh, not opening scene, but the first scene set in present day Tulsa, when the black officer pulls over the uh, the guy driving the cabbage truck, you kn- you know him immediately that it's not a good situation, and and in in like a it's it's so clever because the roles are reversed. It's not a black man being pulled over; it's a white yep. man being pulled over. Um, but then you have gun regulation put in there and it's uh panda is you know <laughs> he, he's saying like he's he's stalling for time and you're like dude just let him like have the gun this is like a bad situation something's bad something bad is gonna happen you just know it um and then something does bad does happen but from that first moment you know that like you feel that 
sinister shadow of of white supremacy that's just so apparent in our present day and age and it's um vilified and it's terrifying <laughs> like especially yeah. in that first episode you're just like man this is like really creepy how they're they're this many people in Rorschach masks is, is pretty terrifying. Yeah. I remember you bring up a good point about the role reversal. I remember the very first time I had, I, I watched that scene. I'm like, wait, what is, what is going on? Like, is, wait, is this black cop the good guy? Um, is the, why is Rorschach considered, or people who wear Rorschach masks considered to be bad guys? Cause it really was role reversal. I had, it, it really subverted my expectations with that opening scene. Um, but, there was, um, you know, just we're talking about the the show primarily, but the way that uh, the the Watchmen show continues from the gra- the story of the graphic novel is fascinating because you you catch up with Adrian who tells John that he wanted some appreciation for how he saved the world, but the government didn't care. Um, I guess they they kind of did like the public didn't care but adrian was so dead set on no one finding out because rorschach's journal still made it to the um new frontiersman yes yes and the public at large like the new york out. times of the watchman universe I or was it no like was it like a the far right it was a, it was it was a far right uh newspaper uh circulation that and it was the only one in rorschach Rorschach um, actually tr- like trusted to be legitimate news. Uh, yeah, it, that's I the think, one he like read. Um, yes, yeah, it's the one that he read. Life. Yeah, and I I think I and I don't know if this is act, like how how much truth there is in this, but I would say that it would probably be similar to maybe like Fox News or what is that other one? There was another, oh, another one. Is that the super yes? Oh, on. <laughs> Yeah, because oh, okay. I, I was thinking of that one. So um, I think it would be along those lines. But interesting times. Yeah. Again. And you find, so you find Adrian like, you find Adrian in a weird spot. And then you, you find Rorschach like, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just this odd fulfillment of Rorschach's desire for people to know the truth. And the truth was that Adrian Veidt did a really bad thing and Rorschach was killed for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth fell into the hands of these people who were like, you know... Descendants of the KKK. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And and that's, that is what... Like, I, I think that this show just continually repeats itself that these this group of people, the 7th the Cavalry... Um, Angela, like every character is acting with with true conviction in what they know, what they believe to be true, mm-hmm. and that's what's so fascinating about it, is like you have every character acting with complete conviction, but some some are evil, some are more like no, I kind of see where you're coming a from. Very far extreme. Yes, exactly, and that's that's why, and, and it's not like too political it's just because that was like a common critique of the show it's just it's like no all these characters have 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 core beliefs that they are acting on it's good writing it's good television um it's good production so i don't know i agree i agree 
So um, in the show, the, the Tulsa PD, they're wearing yellow masks and detectives are wearing a special costume. Um, in a way, this is ahead of its time. And the cops kind of wear the masks, how most superhero wear masks in today's popular culture, especially heroes like Spider-Man and others. Iron Man broke that trope pretty early on, but Batman, Green Lantern, Spider-Man all protect their identity under the mask. So what do y'all think of that and that that parallel between Watchmen and other superheroes or superhero stories? Uh, I was just going to say, I mean, Iron Man broke that early in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which uh, I feel like transcended. That, that was like a big thing at the end of, it was a cool twist at the end of mm. Iron Man where he's like, this is me, I'm Iron Man. And then that kind of sets the stage for these other heroes. They kind of get out of the way this issue of, well, does Captain America, are people going to like know that it's Steve Rogers? And like, is identity becomes a lesser problem. Unless, unless for you know common people like Scott Lang, but anyway, would if y'all if y'all were in uh like Fort Smith PD or Mustang PD, or if I was in Conway Police Department as an officer, I don't think I would have like a persona or a costume because that just increases the chance that someone's going to figure out oh, specifically who you are. Have you had you thought about this, Olivia? No, but I think that is a good point. I mean, if they're because I mean, think about it. Think about every like, think about Batman, for example. All of his villains know exactly who he is. They're able to figure out <laughs> he's Bruce Wayne. Um, and, and it's so, really not that hard when you really think about it. Yeah, it's really not that hard when you think about it. And so, no, I think that I hadn't really thought about that, but I think you. You raise a good point. If if someone asks you enough questions and and figures it out, they're gonna they're gonna know. Oh, that's that's Olivia Clement. That's who that cop is, or that detective is. Um, but yeah, I think that that would be yeah. I, I don't know how you would be secretive enough if you were to do that. I'd one hundred percent wear uh, a mask like Looking Glass. If that'd, I be pretty, that'd be pretty tight. I might wear a panda head. <laughs> that panda head is pretty badass. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But even that guy, it's like, yeah, I figure I know exactly who that dude is. Like, yeah. like not not me, but like like someone who sees panda every day. It's like, mm-hmm. I saw you at the supermarket the other day, but I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you think I of mean, that, Olivia? Um, the the parallel between Watchmen and, and other superhero stories, because I know you're a big big comic book fan. Yeah i i I understand. Like I understand the point of trying to one of protecting your identity and your family and friends. I mean, that's why all of all of those characters wear the mask, right? Is to kind of protect themselves, but maybe more importantly, their loved ones. But if a real police department decided hey you know what this is what we're gonna do i would i personally would be worried about that um because it just further removes them from uh, accountability really accountability you you don't know their identity you can't like yeah complain it it removes this incredibly important um level of of tracing tracing back if something goes wrong because and it's not like 
like the police are the problem. Like in a lot of cities, the police are the problem, but like not in every city right now. Um, But there's obviously huge dialogue going on. Um, But it's just like stuff does go wrong. That's the point. That's why we have, especially in government and public servants or service, you, you have to have like, what, what is your name or like officer Blake some, or like the, some sort of identif- yes. yeah. identifier. Have you guys, have you guys heard about the Stanford prison experiment? Yes. I've seen. Okay. Seen have you seen, you've seen the movie? I haven't seen the movie, but I know the, the story. Okay. So that's, that's kind of what it reminds me of. Uh, for anyone who's listening, who doesn't know what this is, the, there were two groups of, of young men, college age men. And, they were divided into guards and inmates and they were basically put into a makeshift prison on campus at Stanford. And this experiment was supposed to last two weeks, but it didn't last longer than three days because the Philip Zimbardo, the the psychologist who was like directing this study, this experiment said, feel free to do whatever it is you want to do with them. Just don't hurt the, the inmates. But it, it got to be very abusive because these the guys who were the guards were basically just like they had no identity. They they put on sun, like these uh, polarized sunglasses where uh, you couldn't see their their eyes and, and had these uniforms and they they just lost their minds and became very abusive. And then even later, like years later they were like, I don't, I don't see what the problem was, but multiple guys that were the inmates had mental breakdowns from that, from that experiment and had PTSD afterwards. And so I think that, I just think that something like that would happen if we were to even further add to the uniform of a police officer. And this isn't me bashing police. I'm not trying to do that. Um, I just, I, it just makes me wary. Does that make sense? Is that- yeah. It's like an erasure of identity leads to yeah. fear yeah, and, and I, distrust. Yeah. And putting on a mask, you, no one knows who you are. I mean, people could probably figure it out, but you kind of have this new like found freedom to kind of do as you pleased, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Do, so. you, think, do you think after they found out, they put a uh, Zimbardo embargo? Up. Uh, I don't know, but that is uh, that experiment uh, is the reason why there are lots of uh, protocols that have to be followed in psych- psychologists oh, yeah. or psychological studies. That that's pretty crazy. Because um, can you imagine if you heard that kind of experiment going on in today's? Yeah, it would be messed it, up. Stanford they, would get. I mean, it is messed up to the end. Yeah. Of time. The 60s were a very fascinating time for experiments to be done as far as psychology is concerned. I, I could talk about various studies that I want to hear more about this repeated. one of these days. We can, we can talk about it later. Yeah. That sounds like a very interesting. The Zimbardo topic. embargo. <laughs> I'm just stuck on that. Well, and it goes back to the masks, you know, the whole, or, or what, what william abar says to angela you can't heal wounds can't heal under a mask and various people in the show wear masks for different reasons um some are justified and some it's it's not like hey you shouldn't wear a mask but it's like this is what happens when you try to protect yourself by for this reason or that reason or whatever everyone has different reasons for wearing the masks in the show right 
Yeah. When, say- I, when I watched Watchmen, um, the HBO show, uh, I think it, it told the, the story really well. And around this point specifically, um, the most similar uh, story that I see when it comes to like this, this topic around identity and, and trying to fit into society and being held accountable, et cetera, is uh, the story of X-Men. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm a big X-Men uh, comic book fan, and um, they're probably my favorite superhero group. Um, and a story I read recently was one called uh, God Loves and Man Kills. And uh, heard about to give, that one. Yeah, to give a little bit of context from the X-Men, uh, the creation of the X-Men, it was like uh, all during the civil rights movement before after i think it was mainly during and after so all the the whole story is kind of a parallel between the civil rights movement and uh told in a in a comic book universe and this one it was it was written in 1982 and it was really specifically made with commentary on social issues around identity faith and fear kind of like how watchmen was made uh last year and uh, it revolves around the perse- persecution of the X-Men by uh, the main antagonist, William Stryker. Um, this was actually uh, in X-Men 2. Uh, X-Men 2 drew, drew a lot of uh, inspiration from this specific story. Um, is this but, is this storyline set like during a certain time? I think it's cer- set, uh, I think around the 80s. It's, it's told modern day when it was written back gotcha. in the 80s. Cool. But... Um, this this character antagonist William Stryker he he argues by definition that mutants are not human and thus they are not creations of God. He uses that to justify his holy crusade to end all of mutant kind. And the whole story in, in God Loves Man Kills is the X Men trying to fight for their freedom and to be seen as equals with the rest of humankind. Um, it's a really powerful story. And uh, one of the final panels of the story is a, is a conversation between uh, the character of Storm and Cyclops. And what Cyclops says, I think, kind of rings true in, in what watch, the point Watchmen was trying to make. Cyclops says, that's what it's all about, really. Need and helping and caring for one another. And that comes from love, which makes the world go round. And Storm... Uh, if you don't know Storm, she's a black woman and a mutant in this universe. And she says, if only that were so. And that's kind of how I story, interpret the story of Watchmen and X-Men. Um, with more work, understanding, we can hopefully one day achieve Professor X's dream of living together in peace. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I actually, uh, I met the, the, the writer and author of, of God Loves, Man Kills um, at a Comic-Con in Kansas City like three years ago. Oh, cool! And I, I hadn't that read. Really cool. I hadn't read "God Loves, Man Kills." Uh, I remember, I remember asking him like, "What are some stories that uh, you really recommend uh, X Men uh, fans to read?" And he he recommended his own uh, "God Loves, Man Kills." <laughs> I would too. And, uh, Ultimate Flex. <laughs> and I finally, I finally got to read it, and it it's a story that really uh, is really is is really important and should be told, and especially and read during during today's time. So. Yeah, I, that's how I kind of uh, paralleled Watchmen was along with X-Men, two really good stories that uh, do a really good job of commentating on social issues like race and identity. I think it, it bears pointing out again uh, that superheroes were always political. <laughs> and like yes. Superman always. was fighting Nazis and 
the X-Men, the X-Men was like all about diversity in the civil rights movement. It like, really was. And, and come on. Doesn't uh, Professor X, he represents MLK and Magneto represents um, Malcolm X. Malcolm X. Yeah, I almost, I was like, it's, I, why can't I think of his name? I yeah. feel terrible because I couldn't. Anyway, but yeah, Den- like Denzel Washington to- in that, uh, <laughs> that he played. You know, him. Denzel Washington. Yeah. This is not. This is a complete sidebar. Speaking of though, I saw that some guy got a tattoo of Malcolm X, but it was Denzel playing Malcolm X. Oh, got my. that permanently tattooed on his body. Hey, that's crazy. I saw someone get a not tattoo bad. of MLK, and it looks like. I'm already forgetting his name. It looks like the mayor from The Wire. And you <laughs> know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, oh my God, I forgot his name. I feel bad for forgetting his name, but it does not look like MLK at all. And they were like, why are you getting a tattoo of the mayor from The Wire? But it was really MLK. It's supposed to be MLK giving his I Have a Dream speech. That's hilarious. That's amazing. Oh, man. And that's why, uh, that's why X-Men is good. I mean, it... X2 is fantastic, but yes. even some of the the earlier ones when Magneto and Professor X start to disagree, it, it's because they've thought through, they have specific character motivations and they're neither of them are wrong. Yeah. And exactly. that ambiguity makes for an excellent story. So, right, that's why I I love the X-Men the X-Men story and some of the movies so much before they just became like mindless blockbuster movies. Um <laughs> You said you you rewatched uh, yes. Days of Future Past. Where does Days of Future Past rank in your X-Men? It's, it's not just in X-Men. It's probably my favorite comic book movie. One of my favorite comic book movies really? ever. I, I love Days of Future Past. And that, that might just be me because I'm a huge fanboy for the, the original X-Men, like with uh, uh, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, and I was also a huge fan of First Class as well. So seeing those two worlds collide, and I was, I was, I was fanboying out like the whole entire movie. So I love Days of Future Past. Did Days of Future Past came out in fourteen? Yes, so two, two years after the Avengers. But it it was the first to do that like time travel blending of two different right. franchises. So it really was. Gotta give them um, credit. Yeah, and you can kind of tell like, and well. Endgame, they they definitely they didn't borrow, but they you can see kind of how the the time travel was was used similarly in in both stories. Um, time travel to go save the universe. Yeah, uh, Cl- classic classic stuff. Yep. I don't. I haven't seen Days of Future Past since it was in theaters, and and I think like I remember watching it and being like that was really good, but I'm too tired to have enjoyed it. Like efficient like i uh, like as much as i should have the next day or like i went to sleep that night i slept for 17 hours oh my god i i was at a um, i was <laughs> what did, what did i was you like something's not right about this direction like this guy brian singer <laughs> oh, you brian singer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no i was at a i was at a summer camp and i had been um getting lifeguard certified and i was consuming probably like five thousand calories a day to maintain my body weight and me and my buddy slept for like between 15 and 17 hours the next day because we've been getting up at like six every morning it was crazy it was a good time of good period of my life though anyway i i like i like that movie yeah 
yeah, but I'm a, it'll be interesting to see um, how the story is told now with it being in the in the Marvel Disney realm. Um, I'm ready to be disappointed though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, what talk about our guy Anthony Starr? Maybe he'll become uh, Cyclops. He would make a killer or, uh, Cyclops. No Wolverine. Oh shoot! I saw I some. I saw. That. I don't know if it was Boss Logic or someone else, but uh, they did. They did some concept part of him as Wolverine, and I was like, "He looked pretty sweet." He looked pretty because it has to be someone old. It can be someone yeah. younger than Hugh Jackman, but like that, people have talked about like Taron Edgerton, and I'm like, yeah, he's too, he's too way, way too young, too, way, way too, young. too young. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I'm under the impression that it it shouldn't be recast. I don't think any of the X Men should be recast. I think that they did perfect casting, as perfect as you can get. It'll be it'll be hard to top what they had. I think it would be cool if Lindelof, you know, just just thinking about about HBO's Watchmen and how he created such a. I, I think we can we all think it is a a perfect tribute, perfect season of television, and so in most ways, and an excellent tribute to the source material. Him, like he loves Watchmen. I don't. It'll be. I don't think he'll do other superheroes but in the same way james mangold loves wolverine and he did two wolverine movies of the two logan is impeccable oh just logan is just really fantastic and um sends him off sends that character off and you and admitted you cried at the end oh Oh, yeah yeah. i did olivia and i we saw that together we did that was good that was was, that was tough to watch I'm, but, I'm I'm actually tearing up right now thinking about it. Yeah, but Mangold Mangold like wh- he was like I want to send him off. I want to respect him, and he he did. He's like, all right, no more superheroes for me. Like my I've done. I've paid tribute to my guy. I would love if Lindelof did that with Watchmen. Just like every five years, he came up with a new brilliant uh, concept and brought back Regina King and um, Tim Blake Nelson. Who do you want to see as Night Owl? As Night Owl? Keep in mind, this would be an older Night Owl. Yeah. It would have to be, yeah, someone who's around the same age as Gene Smart. Yep. I can't think of, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Who would you have, I just Eric? Love, I love Patrick uh, Stewart. Or I Patrick know. Wilson. I'll, I'll throw that question out now. We can discuss it next episode. That's okay, a good okay, idea. Okay. We'll, do some, we'll do some research. Um, yeah, we'll do some research yeah. for our next episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, a big theme in Watchmen is legacy. What do you think the writers or Watchmen were saying about the legacy of the U.S. and the legacy of the U.S. government and politics? Uh, I think it's saying a lot. Yeah, I think it's saying a lot. <laughs> so something that I wrote down earlier when we were talking, maybe the first or second question we were we discussed, is it's almost like the system is built on racism which in a lot of ways it is and it was, and that's kind of the, the roots of our, I think of our country. And, and I think we're seeing that today. Right. And I think that you see that for sure in the show, um, you know, chief of police is in this alt-right KKK group. A Senator who's wanting to run for president is, is also in that same group. Um, but I think that the show ends on this really hopeful note for the future. And I think, and maybe I'm just being opt- optimistic here, but I, I think that, 
you know, the way that we've been seeing all these different people and organizations, you know, in our country speaking out against racism and wanting to do better, I think that there's hope for the future to to be better. And, and I think a lot of that has to come through us, you know, educating ourselves and checking our own biases and whatnot. And so I think that's what they're getting at. That's uh, my thoughts. If anyone else want to jump in? I will say I agree with pretty much everything you said, Olivia. And I think to me, even though the, the Watchmen universe is completely fantastical and completely extreme, the the key elements and and the points in the show definitely ring true in today's society. Like um, it's kind of hilarious how in, in the Watchmen universe you have Robert Redford as a, a Hollywood actor as president, and who do we have as president today? Um, and but but even then, I mean, um, what's his face? Was an actor. Uh, oh, Reagan, Reagan, Reagan. Right. Yeah, yep, you're exactly right, and that that's probably closer. What the, uh, they were the other to RR. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and then like you have these crazy political figures, um, and, and crazy crazy people in in high positions of power. Um, you said like how Joe Keen is secretly a KKK member, and he holds public office. Um, in today's world, we have there are people that like sub, like openly support uh, the alt right group QAnon, and mm-hmm. they're these people. They're these people are like winning like elections and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, like, and it's just it's just completely mind blowing how how this came out uh, a year ago, and almost everything is coming in, into fruition. Um, there and, is, a, and in the sorry. Watchmen universe, you have the like the squid attack, and today we have the coronavirus and like the, the there are device decisive issues in the Watchmen universe and there are decisive issues today in 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 the US. The did you guys see the it may have been on it was definitely on 4chan. I don't know whether or not it was QAnon, but when Don't tell um, me you're on 4chan, I see. Oh no 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 like I not like did you see the first hand, but I saw about reporting about um what was the name of the the young guy with the militia who shot to Kyle blah 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 house is that yeah. his last name something yeah um you know you had you had people on 4chan um you know lauding his the fact that he had killed two protesters mm-hmm. and and uh it's just it's man it's a messed up it's a messed up world and, it's like uh, the the seven k celebrating the cop they killed in in episode one and releasing a yeah. a mm-hmm. video uh, celebrating it's it's crazy. It yeah, is, it is a it's a, it's a dark time, but I I agree with you, Olivia. the the hope that the hope that comes or that that's that's foreshadowed at the end of the series comes from uh, like it's it's very blatant like there there has to be equality there has to be equality and equity and inclusion and we're not going to we're not going to get it get you know true justice until we get that because you think about like senator keene um saying it's very hard to be a white man in america right now mm-hmm. um 
he's he's appealing to or he's listening to a fan base and i genuinely believe that he he is motivated by those people in nixonville who were displaced by the people who got reparations and Mm -hmm. like the government's not giving a handout to them but at the same time it's like i in a in 1619 a podcast about um the roots of slavery in the united states they had they had a um someone gave a quote and said you know african americans like the united states belongs to them more than it does white people in a lot of ways which i'm sure like a lot of people who hear that will take it one way or the other mm-hmm. but if you think about the how how the land has been worked um economically it, like several several other things i won't go on but in a lot of ways that is true um and and we can't like rep- reparations is uh, i i don't want to i don't want to back backpedal or or mince my words more than i already have but there there has to be some kind of um neutral ground placed for um for understanding to to come about about race and all lives matter and black lives matter um we're not going to move forward as a country until um there is there's good leadership that that ref, that, that doesn't exacerbate problems like that and doesn't um give rise to 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 violence and and racism and inequality and continuing um, inequality in this country. Well said, Isaac. Yeah, so, I think. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to uh, lead us into our next discussion point, but go ahead, Olivia, if you want to make a make a comment. I was going to say, I think that we we've hit hit on this earlier, um, either in this episode or in previous episodes of like how people always say like, or, or when this this series came out, people were saying it's too political. It's just so political, and and, and every time I hear someone say that something is too political. I just think, isn't everything that we do a little political in a sense? I mean, and isn't that like our right as a, Americans to to hit on these these issues? And, and I mean, like we were talking about before we started recording this episode, the three of us were talking about the NBA playoffs and we were talking about the, the Utah Jazz. Yeah, we were talking about the Utah Jazz fan base, but then we were like hitting on the the shut up and dribble. And it's like, why? Why can't why can't we hit on these things? Just stay in your lane. Um, there's lots of, of people who have gone into politics that had no business going into politics because they don't have Ooh. they don't have, you know, background in that. And I and I'm not just saying that about the president. There's lots of people who who have done that. But I'm I for just, president next year, by the way. Oh, I'll vote for you. Or I guess I guess four years. I, I really don't know. Um, Would you make Kurosawa mandatory viewing for every American household? <laughs> um, I don't know if that it would be one of the the first things I would do. Um, I don't know what the first thing I would do is. I'll, I'll have to think on that one though. You have a cabinet yeah, position. I'll, for I'll me. run on a. I'd run on a pretty amazing platform uh, that definitely uh, enforces the the viewing of of movies. And you get paid for it. That's that's nice. my platform. Sweet. Oh, wow. watch, mo- oh. watch movies and you get hey, paid. I can get behind that. Yeah. I think uh, this is this is a little bit of a different thought, but 
we went to we had dinner with friends a couple of weeks ago and um they somehow politics came up and uh they said we don't we don't get political we don't get into stuff like that and i was like okay and i just like kept boring <laughs> well it's i mean it's it's boring but also like i i, I really believe that i was saying it's boring that they don't want to get into politics if if you are if you are patriotic then you are political and yeah. i don't i don't mean that like if you are proud of you can be proud of this country for good reasons and you can be ba- proud of this country for bad reasons um but like every everyone is political because it's like because you believe stuff yeah. like politics like for, for not just for those running in office but for citizens and i'm like so on board to have uh productive conversations and i'm i'm open to like listen to people not just say like hey this is what this is what you should believe but like it's so important for citizens to be informed so that they can that so that their vote will matter and so that they won't just like go off of what other people are thinking and so it's about what politics is what you believe it's not it's mm-hmm. not who you're voting for necessarily it's the beliefs that's going to inform who you're voting for um and so anyway anyway i just i was just like all right and then we didn't talk about politics that night because we would have we would have got into it mm-hmm. um which is would have done and dashed <laughs> well and also i mean whatever you whatever information you are absorbing whether it, it be social media whether it be music or television or film or or sport whatever you are 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 sitting in front of and listening to and watching and reading it's shaping your beliefs it's shaping your your political beliefs and views and thoughts and and so even if you are are the person who is like i i just i don't i don't get political i don't talk about things um you're you still have those those things you no one is apolitical that's not that's not a thing yes so anyway totally well that was our discussion of politics in the show it was uh comprehensive and we hit every point ever <laughs> mentioned in watchmen in the, in have, the wide world of watchmen i have one quote that i would like to get to give on this and it's not a long one um i remember uh, seeing the reviews for this and i think this is actually from like a movie or tv reviewer he said this is not watchmen it's wokeman Whoa. <laughs> I'll end it with that. <laughs> nice. My final thought. I do think in a very subtle way, and I would be interested to see what Damon Lindelof thought about this. I do think in a subtle way, he nods to V for Vendetta when he says, uh, or when V says, governments should be afraid of their citizens or their people. Mm-hmm. And now the v, other way around. That's an... Alan Moore story as well, yes. is it not? Yes. So I, yeah. I feel like he's nodding to that in a very subtle way, um, you know, because because at the end of the day, it's not it's not like a international conglomerate like Lady True. Oh, we didn't even talk about like globalism and internationalism. Yeah. Like that that's a whole other thing, uh, political issue in Watchmen that um, is is a major theme um, that we didn't talk about, but. It, the people who end or who win at the end of the day are the people who who want the truth and they're they're 
common people. They're not political uh, affiliations, which is so, which is refreshing. And I feel like that's kind of the point, like may the power, may the true political power be returned to the people. Um, so anyway, I kind of, kind of reading into it a little bit, but it's kind of how I interpreted it. You should join the woke men, Isaac. Woke men. I feel <laughs> like we're men. all, we are woke men. <laughs> Some of us are woke women. Man, sorry i'm sorry come on i i'm gonna go <laughs> watch oh, women <laughs> watch women yeah regina king as uh the new dr manhattan <laughs> oh spoiler whoa if people are watching maybe. this they watch watchmen yeah maybe who maybe who, who's to say who's to say well there's no way we can know for sure all right. So our next episode will be the final episode in our Watchmen series, and we're going to rank our top five favorite moments from the Watchmen universe. That includes the graphic novel, the Snyder film, and the HBO series. So all that is fair game, boys. Game boys. Game boys. I love making lists. Love it. Love a good list. This is Isaac signing off from Conway, Arkansas. This is Eric signing off from Fort Smith, Arkansas. And this is Olivia signing off from Oklahoma. Later. Bye. Later, Gator.